I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. I, I would tell new converts is that if they want to have longevity in, uh, in living for God, is they need to learn and study uh, intentively the book of Acts. The book of Acts is... In, uh, it is the doctrine in which our foundation uh, is built on. And uh, it's, it's, it's just a very, very vital uh, book to, that we learn and understand uh, for salvation issues, obviously. But to know, uh, to know the, uh, the heart and the mind of the men, the great men of God that have went on before us and inspired Word of God. It's such a powerful, powerful uh, book. Uh, before Jesus ascended to heaven, He commanded His disciples to go preach the gospel to every nation. And uh, he, knew, he knew that not everybody would accept the gospel. And does any, can anybody tell me what the gospel is? death, burial, and resurrection. The gospel is the good news, which is the death, burial, and resurrection. It is uh, what Jesus done. He would die. He was buried. He was resurrected. And he also made that the template or the example of how to be saved. Death, burial, and resurrection. Repentance uh, represents, uh, or excuse me, yeah, represent, re- repentance represents uh, death, dying out to yourself, uh, not being, not wanting to be the man or woman that you once were, turning away from your ways. Everybody has to die. In order to live, you have to die. And that was the first step, death, repentance. And then there was a burial, uh, and he, he, he was buried in a tomb, and that's what baptism represents. It's not the water that makes you clean. You can go to the ugliest mud hole and get and get uh, baptized. And if you're baptized the right way, the only way, which is in Jesus' name, can I get an amen? There's no other way to be baptized. Any other way that you get baptized, you're just taking a swim. And that old muddy water, because of the obedience to the Word of God, that's what empowers you. That is what causes your sins to be washed away. It's not the water. Uh, I've had a lot of people thinking it's a certain kind of water. It's holy water. It's been blessed by a preacher. It's not not that at all. It's through the obedience of the Word of God. And then the, uh, the, the, uh, the Holy Ghost is the resurrection power. The same Holy Ghost is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's going to be the same power that's going to raise us up. And we have to have the Holy Ghost to activate that. Matthew 28 and 18, you do not have to stand. Uh, for those of you who just walked in a little bit ago, new, the New King James Version is what's on here, so I'm going to be reading it. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth which is one of the most confusing scriptures 
to people, especially people that are Trinitarian. They believe that because uh, Jesus was given power by another being, that's what they think, that Jesus was given power, so how can He be God in the flesh? And what they've they got to understand is that the flesh was begotten and God invested all of His power inside of that being. He chose to, to put inside a woman called Mary a, a, a baby and He chose to put Himself inside of that body. All His Spirit, which Jesus said, all authority has been given to Me in heaven and in earth. Notice He said all. If God... Now, I'm not teaching a oneness lesson tonight, but I just want to point out, if Jesus had all authority and God the Father was separate from Jesus, if He gave all authority to the Son, then God would be powerless. That's the truth. And we're going to divide them up. Let's just call it the way it is. If God put all, all, which means all-inclusive, all power in the Son, then this God the Father would have no power. He'd be powerless. He'd be up in heaven. He wouldn't... He just, it's, it's, but, but we know that God manifested Himself in the flesh. He was seen of angels. So He said, Go ye therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name... Say name not titles, of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Father is not a name. The Son is not a name. The Holy Ghost is not a name. But the name of Jesus is the name. Because He said in Acts 2 and uh, 38, uh, He said that we should be baptized in Jesus' name, which is the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Mark sixteen fifteen through 18 says, And he said unto them, Go into the, all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, he knew that all men would not listen. But the gracious, justly God that we serve, he knows that every man deserves a chance for people to be saved. I've heard it before. And I've even may have thought about it. And forgive me, Brother Horton, I'm not knocking what you do. And it's admirable going to these prisons, preaching the name of Jesus. I've heard men say it before. And I've even said it myself at certain times that, wow, why do we even do that? Because I don't see very many uh, prisoners come out and go to church. It seems like they go right back into the same junk, you know, that they were before. But the fact is that every man, regardless where they're from or what they've done, they all deserve to be told. And that's what, why Jesus commanded us to go talk, tell every creature, preach the gospel. What's the gospel? Death, burial, and resurrection. That's how we can be saved. He, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name will they cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will uh, by no means hurt them. That doesn't mean kids to go out and pick up 
rattlesnakes. I just want you to know that in case you three girls decided tomorrow to go out mushroom hunting and pick up a copperhead. Okay, it doesn't mean that. Don't look at our pastor. He would do that. Go pick up. But that's not what it meant. And it doesn't mean that we can go out and drink the Jim Jones Kool-Aid and be all right. It means if you accidentally done it, and they will recover. Luke 24 and 44, 51 says, Then he said unto them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of the Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding, and they might comprehend the Scriptures. Then he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. That repentance should be preached in His name, not Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, but in the name of Jesus Christ, to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of those things. Behold, I will send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with the power from on high. And uh, my pages are messing up here. I may have to go back. Does anybody want to buy a tablet? Brother, Brother Davis has got one. Well, I may go back to paper. My wife will shoot me. So Jesus said unto them, excuse me, John 20 and 21 through 23. So Jesus said unto them, Peace uh, unto you as the Father has sent me. I also send you. And he, he had... I have to stop there. I don't know why I feel like I have to qualify there because there is such a spirit... Of, of Trinitarian spirit uh, coming in our uh, in our ranks, if, if I have a good friend right now that is a power packed preacher, his brother in law was a conference preacher, and he ha- believes in two gods now. Imagine that apostolic, growing, booming church in Carolina, and he's preaching two gods now, not three gods. But two gods. So I feel at times I feel like, well, you know, you don't really have to qualify what the scripture says, you know, or you don't have to really stop here because we all already know that there's one God. But I think the more that we preach it, the more we tell the devil that this is what we believe and we're not budging from this. We're, we can't we cannot afford to move. I said it Sunday night, we cannot afford to move from the foundational uh, uh, doctrine because once we walk away, we'll fall for anything and we'll believe anything. I said we will believe anything. The Bible says, I also send you, and when he said unto his... uh, Let me qualify what I was going to say. He said, peace be unto you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now it kind of sounds like Jesus is saying that God the Father sent me. He's somewhere else and He sent me to do somebody else's job. Now I'm sending you to do my job. That's not what He... you got to understand something. God built a body. He built a body. And I don't want to sound... 
uh, blasphemous, and I'm not being that way. Jesus was a tool that God used. He was the flesh part of God that God used to touch man. He was a bridge that stood between two worlds so that you and I could have access to the spirit world. God wrapped Himself in flesh. He became something that He wasn't, and He still remained what He was. God became a man, and He still remained the God of this world. He put Himself in that body. Yes, He knew all things, but in the flesh He chose. He chose to subject Himself to the same laws of humanity. So, on His mama's side, He walked by the sea. But on His daddy's side, He walked on the sea. On His mama's side, He hungered. But on His daddy's side, He took some low, few loaves and fishes and he fed a multitude. And so he had, there was the dual nature uh, of God. He was as much man as he was God. When we get to heaven, when we get to the throne room, we're not going to see a, some spirit. You can't see a spirit anyway. That's, what, that's one of the reasons why. It just doesn't make sense. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. God, He is an invisible, His Spirit's invisible. And if God and Jesus were separate, when we got to heaven and God was sitting on the throne, how would you know He was even there? Has anybody, can you see wind? You can spill it and see its effects. You can't see Spirit, it's invisible. So when we get to heaven, there's going to be one sitting on the throne, which is the image of an invisible God, which is what the Scripture says that you're going to see the image of God, which is Jesus Christ. Let's get that straight. Okay? He said, If I forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Acts 1, 4-8. through 8. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, Ye have heard me from me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of his, to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times of the season uh, which the Father has put in his own authority, but ye shall receive power when the Holy Ghost... Oh, I hate saying Holy Spirit. I... I Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and ye shall, uh, and ye shall, and in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. He said that you are going to receive my Comforter, my power, and you are going to be a witness to what you have seen in me. You are going to be a witness of the death, burial, and resurrection. He co- commanded us. To build disciples, not saints. Saints sit on a pew. But disciples reproduce other disciples. He called us to, to preach the death, burial, and resurrection. He called us to be witnesses of Him. 
And as we examine the evidence, we will see that the disciples, they followed the instructions. And please understand that Jesus taught them for three and a half years. They walked by His side. They, they slept by His side. He, he, he was, it was incredible to be at His side. They watched uh, the, the, Him walk on water. Can you imagine that? Could you imagine Him walking up to a tomb and calling out a dead guy that had been dead for four days and by now stinks? Could you imagine that? I want you to picture that. He goes to a funeral. And he walks up to a tomb. They're mourning. They're crying. The Bible says Jesus wept. He, didn't, he wasn't really weeping over the dead. He was weeping because of their unbelief. Can you imagine him calling the name of a man that had been dead for four days? His body began to de- decompose and he speaks to it. Could you imagine the noise that come out of that, that tomb? That's what those disciples were used to seeing. They had had it in their mind. It was still in their hearts. He taught them that they were to heal the sick, cast out devils. He, and He commanded them to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And that is why, and I, I brought this out Sunday uh, night, Easter, that is why that they had the ability to stand in adversity and be willing to die for the cause because what they had seen, what they had witnessed, convinced them to carry this gospel. Regardless as much scrutiny that they, that they was under, regardless as much pain as they would go through, they knew that they would die horrific deaths and they were still willing to go through it because they knew what they had witnessed. They knew that He had raised from the dead and they knew that it was possible if they died one day like Jesus resurrected out of a tomb, that there was going to be a resurrection in their life. That is why that is so vital for us to have a death, burial, and resurrection uh, uh, experience in our life. Because when we have a death, burial, and resurrection experience in our lives, it gives us confidence to face tomorrow. It gives us confidence to know that if we die and we're buried and resurrected in the power of Jesus Christ, then we can face anything. There's nothing that's going to hurt us. There's nothing that's going to harm us. That's why he said that you'll cast out devils in my name. That's why he knew that you would be able to pick up any deadly serpent and it would not harm you. You could drink any deadly thing and it would not harm you because you had the power of the Holy Ghost. And if by chance that you did die... There is going to be a resurrection in the last trumpet. Can you give me a hand clap? I didn't really mean me a hand clap. I meant give give God a hand clap while I take a drink. I'm going to give you a little secret about preachers. A lot of times people do that because they either lose their place or they want to drink a water. You didn't know that, did you? Can you give the Lord a hand clap? <laughs> See, we killed two birds with one stone. God got praise and I got a drink. <laughs> he had them preach the fullness of the gospel. Not just part of it. There's a lot of churches that are preaching half of the gospel. 
it just doesn't make sense that I've, I've talked about this before. It doesn't make sense if the gospel means a death, burial, and resurrection, and repentance represents death. It doesn't make sense just to be able to repent and be saved. Because once a man repents, spiritually speaking, he's dead. And a dead man isn't any good for anybody. There's no What good is it? He can't do anything. And it's not enough just to be dead and be buried. You've got to be dead and be buried. And you've got to have resurrection power, which is the Holy Ghost. So he, he commanded them to preach the fullness of the gospel. The, the reason why we have apostolic moves of God, the reason why we see the healings and people's lives changed, it, it takes more than just accepting a car or a, 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 asking the Lord to, uh, you know, uh, to forgive your sins and accept Jesus. I accept Jesus. Now, it's more like Jesus accepted. I need Jesus to accept me. Oh, Lord, I, this is stipulations. I, I'm going to come up and be saved. I accept you. How foolish is that? That is the beginning of a spirit of Antichrist because when a man says, I accept you, God, I, I accept you into my heart or my, my life, you're saying, okay, Lord, you can join me, my clique. No, it's we join him. God accepts us. He's too good for, to be accepted into our life. I need to be accepted into His life. Believing on the sacrifice of Lord Jesus Christ is found in Luke. Jesus explained the suffering of Christ and opened their understanding. Also, we, uh, we read uh, what the Apostle Paul said about the Gospel. 1 Corinthians, if you have that, uh, Sister Duncan, 1 Corinthians 15, 1-5. Now, see, I can't see that. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. Death, burial, and resurrection. He preached the gospel. This is the same man that wrote Galatians 1 and 8. Though ye, an, or, ye, though ye or an angel preach any other doctrine, gospel, than what I preach to you, let him be cursed. Notice he, in that scripture in Galatians 1 and 8, he didn't just mention a man. He said if an angel... He wasn't talking about a devil. If an angel would come to you, an angel of the Lord come to you, and said any other or gospel than what we preached in this book, let him be damned, but don't you believe it and be, be damned along with them. He was talking about how important it was to preach the gospel. I can't help, I can't help what Grandma and Grandpa believed. Hey, I have, a, I have a grandmother that did not believe in the full gospel. She believed that you could be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I don't know how much understanding she had. And you know what? If she makes it to the other side and God says, okay, I'll accept her. I, that's, I don't know if he did or not. But all I know is the Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. And if you understand something, if you see truth, you're bound by obeying that truth. I know that there's, and I could get out, I'm getting, going to get out on a limb here, but I know that there's people in the last thousand years that was on islands, 
that has never seen or heard from Christian people, never heard the name of Jesus. I'm convinced of that. I know that there's been people. I don't know what happens to them, but all I know is that I'm not their judge. But God is my judge, and when I understand truth, and when I see the truth of the gospel, and if I do not obey it, I am going to reap big time. So... People that walk through these doors, you hear the gospel, you have no excuse. He said, I, I, he said, I preached the gospel to you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved by that gospel. You want to know how to be saved? Obey the gospel. Death, burial, and resurrection. There's no other way. If ye keep in my memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. He knew that they would forget. He said, you've got to remember it. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and rose again and on the third day according to the Scriptures, that He was seen... Uh, how do you pronounce that word? Cephas. I was getting ready to say it different. And I didn't want to look stupid. So that's why I asked you. You're a smart guy. Then unto the twelve. Now notice what he says. For I had delivered unto you first of all. The first thing that I gave to you is how Christ died. And, 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 the, and he said he died. Sins according to the scripture. And that he was buried and that he rose again. Right there is the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection. He said, I gave that to you first. And the reason he gave that first was because it was the most important thing in their life. He had them preach repentance and turn to Christ as the Savior. He had them baptize people in water to wash away their sins through the name of Jesus. He told them that all people would receive the promise of the Father. The promise was the Holy Ghost. He said, he told them to go to Jerusalem, and he said, until I send my comforter. He said, until you're endued with power. Power for what? Power to overcome sin. That's what the Holy Ghost does. It helps us overcome sins. He told them to teach the new disciples that would believe in him through their preaching to observe all that Jesus had taught them in Acts chapter 2. We read in the account of the apostles fulfilling the instructions as taught by the Lord Jesus. Death, burial, and resurrection. First, the apostles and the, and the followers of Christ had to be endued with the power from on high. They needed to first receive the Holy Ghost. In Acts 2 and 1 through 4, the, uh, the disciples and followers of Christ, or there was around 120, were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the ability, it gave them the utterance. And when God baptized the followers of Christ with His Spirit, the Bible says that there was a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and filled the house where they were sitting. And the Bible said in verse 6 that when this, this sound occurred that the multitude came together after they came together and the multitude was confused and amazed. According to history, at the time of the Feast of, uh, of the Weeks, Day of Pentecost, the population would triple due to the Jews coming from many nations around the world for the Holy Feast. In verses 7 through 11, the Jews, they begin to marvel and they begin to wonder at this phenomenon. 
They began to, they, they was blown away. They seen these men. They looked at them. They took an account of who they were. They said, aren't these all that speak in our language, aren't these men Galileans? You know what they were really saying? Who are these educated country bumpkin? Who are these people from Greene County? I mean, I'm sorry. Did I say that? I'm just kidding, giving him a hard time. But he said, aren't these men who speak in our language Galileans? They, they were uneducated people. They were castaways. They were nobodies. Yet they were all speaking the wonderful works of God in, in their own language. They understood them, which was about 14 nations where they were born. Some people say that the tongues were, uh, were given so that the followers uh, of Christ can preach the gospel miraculously through the Spirit in the language that is unknown to them, which is absolutely crazy. Some, some, some believe that, that, that they were speak, uh, speaking in tongues because uh, I, I have, I've had people tell me, you know, they, the Bible says that there's only more than, there shouldn't be more than one, more than three tongues interpretation given in a service. You, that, but we, we all know that that's when God is speaking to the body of, uh, of Christ. But and if that was the case, then there was 120, excuse me, 117 people that were out of line because there was 120 people at one time began to speak in another language. That was different, uh, different tongues that these people were speaking. When you get the Holy Ghost, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you will speak in other tongues, a tongue that you will not understand. But they, they begin to wonder. They said, are these men drunk? These men uh, are, are, are off their rocker. They, mar- they begin to marvel. They, they was blown away. They thought, how in the world? Aren't these men unlearned? How are they speaking in our tongue? Peter stands up and he begins to preach the gospel to the Jews. Uh, uh, they, they couldn't speak, uh, I think, Ar- Aramaic, Aramaic uh, Hebrews, uh, and possibly Greek. He does not preach to them in their own tongue, but he preaches them... To, uh, in, in, uh, excuse me. He doesn't preach to them in tongues. He preaches th- to them in their language. And in verse 12 through 18, while the people stand in amazement, they were perplexed. They were amazed, the Bible says, asking each other, each one, what does this mean? Why are these men speaking in our language? And Peter stands up with the 11 apostles and he begins to preach a message and he begins to pull out a scripture that was spoken, spoken by Joel about 400 years prior. Remember when Joel in 2.28, and he said, but this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And on my hand, uh, men servants, and on my hand, uh, maid servants, I will pour out my spirit. I'm reading the New King James Version. I'm wanting to quote the King James Version. It's really, I, I never read the King, or New King James Version. But the, he was, they, these men began to marvel. They said, These men are all speaking in our language. How is that? What meaneth this? 
And what they were asking was, what does this mean that these men are speaking in our language? Because we know good and well these men are unlearned, and they don't know our language. And that's what Peter said, spoke to them on, on the day of Pentecost. He said, this, what meaneth this, this is that. That the prophet Joel spoke about. That he would pour out his spirit upon our flesh. This is his spirit. This is the evidence of God's spirit, the Holy Ghost. So when you see somebody speaking in tongues, it's the Holy Ghost that's given them the ability to do that. Peter continues to preach standing with the eleven apostles. Apostles were backing him up by standing with him. He preaches about the death, burial, and resurrection and the Lord Jesus Christ. After he preaches about the resurrection and the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, he says in verse 33, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he poured out this which you see and you hear. And the apostle Peter, standing with the eleven apostles, tells the people the answer to the 120 speaking in tongues. And this is the outpouring of the Spirit, which was prophesied by Joel. And in verse 33, Peter says by the Holy Ghost, in the reference of the 120 speaking in tongues, that the promise, this was the promise of the Father. He further preaches to the Jews that Jesus, whom they crucified, is the Savior, uh, the one that they have been waiting for. Man, I bet that stumped them. I bet that cut them to the, to the heart. To see this phenomenon, to see this Holy Ghost being poured out, and then a man standing up and saying, hey, this is, this is the one that poured this out. This is the one that you crucified. They ask him. They ask the question to Peter and the rest of the apostles. Men and brethren, what shall we do? What must we do to be saved? Fill out a card. Come to church on Easter and Christmas. Friend Lyle Brighton said he knew a, he knew a guy that on Easter Sunday, he said he came. He said he had told the preacher, he said, Well, I'll see you Christmas. And on Christmas Day, he said, Walks up to the pastor and he says, Well, I'll see you Easter. And you know what's funny? Some of these people believe that because whether they come to church every now and then, once a month, once a year, two, th- two times a year, whatever, that they justify themselves. And, and that's the funny part. They, these men said, What shall we do? And what this, this question doesn't line up with 95 or 98 point whatever percent of the churches in the United States because if you ask people, what must I do to be saved? If you walked out on the street, I'm telling you, go to people that believe in God, they'll tell you this. Just believe. Most of them don't even believe that it's, it, it's it, baptism and and. A lot of people don't even believe that repentance anymore is essential to salvation. It is, it, it, people take the, la, the path of least uh, resistance. They think, they think that the less that they have to do, uh, the less responsibility they'll have in their life. 
and they won't be judged by it. But he, they asked them, they said, what shall we do? What must we do to be saved? And we know it. Then Peter said unto them, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of your sins. Now, that word remissions, I, I, that word remissions, does anybody know what remission means? If a cancer goes into remission, what's that mean? Say that again. It's been brought under control. It, it, it has been put down, but there's a potential that it can come back, right? Remission. For the remission of your sins. That's why we need the Holy Ghost. To keep those sins down. To, to keep that give us power to overcome sin. Because let's face it, once you're baptized in Jesus' name, how many of you that's been baptized in Jesus' name hasn't sinned ever? Brother Mark Manley, you just raised your hand. Paul Davis, you raised your hand. Let me finish. You're jumping ahead. I got them, didn't I? I didn't even know I was going to get them. Repent, be bad. <laughs> Repent and be baptized. He said, Repent and let every one of them be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You shall receive to get the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to them that are far off. Even as many as our Lord our God shall call. And with many other words, He testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this uh, perverse generation. Then those were gladly received His word. They were baptized in the name of Jesus. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Water baptism. They had to get baptized. Uh, there's a lot of scriptures in the Bible. And man, I am running out of time. Uh, Matthew 28:19 says, Go ye therefore then baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I already touched on that. They went out and they baptized. They obeyed that scripture. You've got to understand something. When Jesus was talking... In, he was uh, in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. He was talking to his disciples that understood what the name was. They knew who he was. So when he said, "Go baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost," Peter, which was there that day when Jesus spoke that scripture, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, he went out there and he spoke. He baptized them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, which was the name of Jesus Christ. And that's the only way to be baptized, which is in the name of Jesus. He stood up, and with the anointing of the power of the Holy Ghost, he commanded them to be baptized. It was not an option. It was not a suggestion to be baptized. It was a commandment. Some would say that it doesn't matter how you're baptized. In that case, it doesn't really matter. Just go get baptized in the name of Doug Sims. It's not going to help anybody, is it? It does matter how you're baptized. It's through the power of the name of Jesus. You ever notice that these, these people, these Trinitarians, man, they, it is, they're, so, they're so blinded because everything that they do, everything that they do, they do in the name of Jesus Christ. You ever wondered about that? I mean, everything. They pray for people in Jesus' name. They, every, after every meal, I've sat down with Baptist folk and wonderful people, Methodist folk, wonderful people, Nazarene. 
Catholic folks, and I've never heard one of them people ever end a prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Don't you think it's, it's odd? I mean, they pray over everything in the name of Jesus. Except one thing. And it's because it's a tradition that has been passed down from the Catholic Church, and these churches still chase after that same tradition. And I, I, if, you wanna, if you want a real... This, you don't have to even look at the Scripture. Go to the library and pick up a book and study... The, the, the beginning of the Trinitarian doctrine. It began at 325 A.D. Uh, with the Catholic Church. And then start studying the churches that started breaking off of the Catholic Church. The, the Lutherans, uh, Martin Luther, he broke off the Catholic Church. And one of the reasons was, he said, I don't believe uh, that the Bible says, call no man father, but God, he's the only father. So I'm going to pray to him. And the Bible says that no man can forgive sins, but God... The Father, he said, why do I need a Pope or a priest to pray to? So I don't need you to, to ask for forgiveness. And the Pope, he was making all kinds of money, raking it in. And they started leaving, start reading the Fox's Book of Martyrs. That's why they started killing Christians, because the Catholic Church started losing money. But on down through history, these, cat, these churches kept breaking off of each other. And they started coming towards the truth more. But the one thing that they kept was the, the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, baptism. And I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't do any good. If the water doesn't wash away your sins, which it doesn't, water had nothing to do with it. It's, it and it's through obedience. Then if you're baptized in any other name than Jesus Christ... You're not obeying the Word, so which means that your sins are not in remission. Your sins are not washed away. And we better, we better have that in our minds and in our hearts. Like I said, we can, we can say, well, we already, we already know that. We're apostolic. We shouldn't know that. There are apostolics that are fallen daily. I'm telling you, I see, it just makes me sick. Facebook, I see it over and over and over and I got friends that are saying, it doesn't really matter anymore. We, it does matter. It does matter. It does matter. That we understand doctrine because that's where we get our power at. That is where we get our anointing out is the understanding of one God, who He is, what His name is. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The name of the Lord our God is a strong tower and the righteous run unto and are saved. It's the name that saves. You cannot cast out a devil in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. It's impossible. You can say whatever you want. They, they do it. People try to do it in, in every other name, but it, is, it cannot happen. So I, I stand firm about the doctrine of the apostolic church. That's what saved me, and that's what's going to keep me saved. And that's the only thing that's going to help me make it to the end. And that's the same with all y'all. If you lay this thing down, you're not going to make it. Well, I know.
It's pretty harsh. But that's the truth. I want to make it. I, I don't want to die lost. I don't want to, to, to this, this new age doctrine, the junk that we allow in the church. I'll tell you where it comes from. It, it, it comes because people want... They, first of all, they want to build bigger churches. And they want to accept everybody. And they feel in order to accept everybody, we have to dumb down the doctrine and bring it down to, their, to where they're living because we don't want to offend them. And that's, that's how it starts. And, and I, I, I know this. That I've seen men that were, that were drunks and alcoholics that when they got baptized in Jesus' name, their lives changed. And that was the only reason is because they, they understood the death, burial, and resurrection. They understood the power of salvation. Amen? Let's all stand. I've got more pages of notes, but I'm running out of time. and I, I'm excited to know that we understand truth. I'm not saying we have it all together. I'm not saying we're perfect. But th- this is the true church. The church, I don't care what name's on the door or whatever. When you preach death, burial, and resurrection, then you're preaching the truth. And this is, this is, this is, the, this is black and white. If you believe anything else, you're, you're, you're going to be sorry in the end. So I, I, I'm thankful for a pastor. I'm thankful for a pastor that's preached apostolic doctrine. I'm, pre- I'm, I'm thankful for a father that made me un- uh, remember, memorize one God's scriptures. I'm thankful for that. And my kids believe that there's one God. And uh, I love hearing these kids. I like to trump them up, try to mess them up in their theology. And <laughs> Greg Sebastian's son, man, he, I get him going, oh, Jamin. I <laughs> I'll say something a little bit off just to see what he says. Man, he just he sets me straight. One time I, was, I said something, I forget what it was, but it was something that was a little bit off. And I, Oh, it was about Santa Claus and, and God. I said, I said uh, oh, uh, you, oh, it's Christmas time. He, I said, Santa Claus is coming this year. And he goes, there's no Santa. And I said, there's not? I saw, I seen him at the college mall in Bloomington. And I said, also the Easter Bunny. I said, he's, I seen him at the Easter Bunny, uh, I seen him at the mall. And I said, and the Tooth Fairy too. I said, when I lost a tooth when I was a kid, there was money underneath my pillow. He goes, Brother Hill, how dare you? He said, you're supposed to be an associate pastor of this church and preaching false doctrine. I love, I love it. You ask any of these kids out here, three, four years old, you ask them how many gods there are and they'll say one. Go out on the street and ask people and they're so confused they don't even know. The faith of a child, they know that there's one God. Amen? Let's all give the Lord a hand clap of praise. In Jesus' name. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Be safe. Shake someone's hand. And uh, you're dismissed in Jesus' name.